The LA Clippers' biggest weakness positionally is the power forward position. And with Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, and Robert Covington being the guys that occupied those positions this season, I am going to take a look at what we need from the power forward position next season, which one of these guys I want to keep, which ones maybe I think should go. Going to look at their contract situations and give them their player grades on how they did this season on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. Your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vaziri, going into my 19th season as a Clipper fan this fall. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod for even more L.A. sports, L.A. Clipper, and NBA content. Go live after every single night of playoff basketball. And, of course, Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms five days a week on All platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to comment which of these three power forwards, Marcus Morris, Nico Batum, and Robert Covington, should we keep? Which ones should we let go? Going to be talking about their seasons, how they did, giving them their grades, and then also talking about what we need out of the power forward position next season because I think what's blatantly obvious to every Clipper fan, and honestly, if you watch Clippers basketball frequently enough, even if you're not a Clipper fan, is that they need someone else at the power forward someone a little bit younger because these three guys are all over 30 years old so let's get into that right away with Nico Batum Marcus Morris and Robert Covington I don't know who am I going to start with I'd probably say Nico Batum he obviously came to the Clippers in 2020 was written off or you know, as a cast-off kind of guy, but after that big contract with Charlotte, and here he is with the Clippers, having revived his career. You got to give a lot of credit to Ty Lue for that. He's been an amazing three and D guy for us. Just does the dirty work, a little bit of everything. The things that don't go in the stat sheet was amazing in our Western Conference Finals run in 2021. Was fantastic last year, but this year you saw a noticeable drop off from Nico, unfortunately. He turned 34 this season in December. And so, I mean, 34 is, is not very young. Not to be messed up to Nico, but he his defense took a little bit of a step down this season, I'd say. And I think that was mainly on the ball. I think he was still one of our best point-of-attack defenders, which isn't saying much. And that was part of the reason the Clippers were an underwhelming defensive team is that Nico, even at age 34 and had a, you know, a little bit of a decline defensively, I think he was still one of our best point-of-attack defenders. Off the ball, I don't think he was as electric in terms of like blocking shots and help side as previous years. But you also have to remember as well with Nico, this season he got what felt like a lesser role. Let me take a look at his stats compared to last season. But this season, he averaged 22 minutes a game and scored six points a game to go along with four rebounds. So six and four in 
22 minutes of play. Sorry, guys, that I was thing on, on the podcast version. I'm just kind of looking at the stats right now. I have them in front of me. Last season, he averaged eight points a game and played 25 minutes. Also got four rebounds a game to go along with two assists and a steal and a block. So clearly you can see he had a better season in 2022, but that's a given considering you're getting Kawhi Leonard back and you're getting Paul George for more games. So you knew his minutes were going to decrease. However, it was Ty Lue's leaning on Marcus Morris Sr. more than Nico Batum. That was very frustrating for Clipper fans because Nico still brings so much more defensively, does all the little things. You know, it's a really good passer in terms of like connective passing. Like he's not going to create shots off the bounce, but he'll make the extra swing. He's not a ball stopper. You know, he's always looking to move the ball quick and make quick decisions. And he just, as I said, he does those little things, you know, drawing offensive fouls, keeping possessions alive, getting steals in the backcourt when the other team doesn't expect it. The The main thing with Nico that I think declined this season was he was really inconsistent shooting the ball from three. Very inconsistent. Like, there was a large stretch in the beginning of the season where Nicholas Batum was not hitting his three ball, and there was a game against the Houston Rockets, and then after that against the Dallas Mavericks, the very next game where he started hitting. So I pulled it up. In October, just to tell you, he shot... 36% 36% from three, which is, it's okay for him. That's not that bad though. That's the funny part. But this is a guy who shot like 38, 39, 40% the last two years. In the month of November, he shot 37% from three. In the month of December, 46% from three. So huge difference, right? And then you get to January, now back to 33%. February, 36%. March, 44, so we're back to good, and then April 27, and at the playoffs, 35. As for the season, he shot 39% still. Not that great from the field, 42%, but most of his shots are threes. As you know, like when I go through the stats and you listen to episodes of this podcast, you'll you'll recall me always saying, Nico Batum, 4 for 4 from the field, all his shots for threes. He's one of those where most of his shots are catch-and-shoot threes. So, Nico Shooting 38% overall in the regular, or 39% still in the regular season is amazing. Given what I just said, I mean, you saw how up and down he was, but that grew to be a little bit frustrating. Now, I don't know if that's partially because he wasn't getting that extra four or five minutes a game, but he was just inconsistent. And it was that game on November 14th against the Rockets where he shot four for seven from the field and two for five from three after a slump where he didn't make more than one shot since October of uh, the 27th of October. So it was basically three weeks where he went without making two field goals in a game. And then he hit those four for seven against the Rockets and the next night, seven for seven from deep against Dallas. But yeah, he was up and down all year. I think the biggest disappointing thing with Nico was in the playoffs, he was underwhelming. Um, He only had a good game five, but other than that, he wasn't great. Um, In game one, he wasn't bad. He played 21 minutes, and I remember his defense being good. But for him to really only have one good game out of five, that's what's tough. So as far as Nico Batum, I think he's still very good defensively. I like him in the role that he's in. I think what was tough was we expected him to be our best person at that position, our best power forward. And like he is a solid, you know, secondary rim protector and all that in terms of like, you know, if Zubats gets pulled out of the paint, he's there on the backside with Kawhi or with Paul George. That's pretty good. 
but I don't. I wanted him to start all of this season, and it took till the end of the season to get him to start with the whole Marcus Morris Senior Ty Lue fiasco. But Nicholas Batum, I still would love him next season off the bench. What he's owed, and this is the last year of his contract in 2024, eleven million dollars, seven hundred ten thousand eight hundred eighteen. So, I mean, upwards of $11 million, that's a good amount. That's definitely more than he's worth right now. I'd say he's worth about 8 or $9 million, but that's, you know, just $2 million difference. Not a big deal, and that's just my opinion. For one more year, I would say it's I would say do it. And after this year, like, I'd be shocked. Maybe he'll take a, a vet minimum for one or two years and then retire, or maybe just retire after next season. I don't know. But for one more season, I think we can do it. Now, if we can trade it for a better option, like a younger player – that would be great. I think a lot of people would take Nico Batum for one year and an expiring contract. He's a 3 and D guy with a high basketball IQ, and he's experienced. But also, I think, you know, you need guys like Nico if you want to win a championship. And considering the Clippers want to run it back, um, I would keep Nico Batum. And I'm also a Nico Batum fan. I mean, Batum Battalion Assemble. I love Nico. I just think the only issue with him this year was we expected him to be our best power forward, either him or Robert Covington. And we saw very quickly how the Covington situation went. That we'll be getting into later, but Nicholas Batum being your best power forward, you're not going to win the championship in 2023. And that was the problem with the Clippers. Coming up, going to be talking about Marcus Morris Sr., a little bit of the fiasco, and then after that, in the final segment, I'll be talking about Robert Covington briefly and then what we really want out of that position going forward. But before I do that, I got to tell you about bird dogs and with bird dogs you can literally do everything you need to do in a day with these comfortable pants they are as flexible as can be their stretchy fabric makes my legs feel great also makes them look great as i've been told and they give you more freedom it feels like than your normal shorts and pants like for example i woke up went for a walk then started jogging a little bit and then came back home. And then I can wear them around the house just casually, go out in them. It's just very convenient. And all of that gives me the freedom to wear just one pair and do all these activities on a given day. So go to birddogs.com if you want to try them. Birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. And when you enter the promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order check out bird dogs if you want to make your legs look great feel great and yeah i think that's about it <laughs> bird dogs Woof. all right let's talk about marcus morris senior now i don't want to spend too much time on this topic because i think marcus morris senior has got has gotten some very tough and borderline unfair criticism at times. Now, granted, I've given him a lot of, you know, I've given him a hard time on this podcast this season, but I'm I'm strictly just evaluating what I'm seeing on the court. As I've said many a time, Marcus Morris Sr., I'm a huge fan of his. You know, came over in the middle of the 2020 season. I think it was a little bit of a panic move, just wanting to strengthen because we were in second place and Paul George was injured and, you know, the Lakers were rumored to potentially go after him, so we got it so they wouldn't have him. I think we've done moves like that in recent history, and I'm not a huge fan of that, but I have no proof, just saying. But he didn't really seem to seamlessly fit into me 
in 2020. I think he was a big reason the Clippers lost when he provoked Paul Millsap and got him going. But he responded with, I think, the best season of his career when you put together the way he played, how efficient he was in his role, and the team's success. Marcus Morris had been in the conference finals with the Celtics in 2018, but the way he was playing in 2021 and shooting the ball from three was just unreal. That left corner three, it just felt so automatic. And when teams ran him off the line, the way he'd step into that mid-range, he was so cash. He had struggles in the playoffs, but then he would make up for them with big games. For example, game seven against the Mavs, game five against the Jazz. You can't forget that. And they looked like he was injured. He was injured, ran out of legs in that conference finals, got him to start the 2021-22 season late. And he was slow in the beginning of that season, but as it went on, he became such a huge reason that we finished with that 42-win season and nearly made the playoffs. And this season he started out well, and then it all fell off a cliff. It just felt like his knees went. He couldn't stay in front of anybody anymore. He couldn't get off the ground. He wasn't rebounding. Wasn't any sort of second-line rim protection. We'd put him at the small ball five, and that would make him look terrible. And then offensively, you know, he'd make a couple of shots in the first quarter, but then all his shots would be short. He'd lose his legs. He doesn't offer any rim pressure. He's a two-level scorer that this season his shot just fell off a cliff. Marcus Morris Sr. is owed $17 million next season. It's the last year of his contract. Obviously, that's a terrible contract. He should be on a minimum at this point. We knew it was a little bit of a suspect deal when we made that move. And honestly, he's given us two years where I think he was pretty much worth that contract. But this past season, obviously overpaid now. And then this upcoming season, definitely not worth $17 million, But it is what it is. We made that decision. We got to live with it. Now, the thing with Marcus Morris is we've already talking about Nico Batum is a 34-year-old power forward, and I wanted him to stay with the Clippers next season. Marcus Morris Sr. is a 33-year-old power forward, and he looked about 38 this season. And like that's how, and he played, by the way, credit to Marcus Morris Sr. He played 65 games this year. So when we talk about all our other players, so many of which are younger than him and are not available, Marcus Morris, and I think that's part of the reason too, he's been burned out. And he's played a lot of basketball the last couple of years for us. He's been pretty available. He played 65 games this season, but his splits just weren't the same as previous years. 42.6% from the field and 36.5% from three. Just for reference, he didn't shoot that much better last season, actually. 43% from the field and 37 from three. But he shot 87% from the line and averaged 15 points and was just so big. He had to carry so much weight. And in 2021, he shot 47% from three, which was obviously a career high. He was just on another level that season. So Marcus Morris, it just mainly was when his shot wasn't falling, he didn't contribute in any other way. And that was a huge problem. And the major problem was Ty Lue kind of just left him out there to fail in so many occasions when everyone knew and all the data backed up, really, except for, I guess, Marcus Morris's the re- team rebounding percentage went up when he was in. But he was always surrounded by Kawhi Leonard and Paul George most of the time and Zubat. So I don't really believe that statistic means anything. Marcus Morris frequently did not box out um, a lot of times and. You know, I'm not saying this to knock him at all. It's just just what happened this season. And the Clippers, as I said, they need to get younger at the position. And they need to get more athletic. And Marcus Morris Sr.'s legs were just cooked. His knees just looked 
spent by the end of the season and he got taken out of the starting lineup after the front office allegedly tried to push him out of the starting lineup and push Ty Lue to move him out of the starting lineup for months and apparently he was not having it that's why he had that four game absence that they said was first they said it was I think it was non-COVID related illness and then they said it was COVID I I forget I'm honestly it's all you know foggy to me but then he randomly showed back up at practice and he wasn't playing and then he played in the playoffs when we lost uh, Kawhi Leonard it was just weird and overall I don't think Marcus Moore should be back with the Clippers he's on an expiring deal so I don't think it'll be that hard to move him and I do think there's teams that could use a guy that could come off the bench that can score eight points a game and shoot 36 percent from three I think there is a role for him on other teams but I think the Clippers desperately need to get younger because the shots that he takes threes in mid-range our best players take those shots. We need guys that are going to get to the rim. Give us a little something different. So Marcus Morris' senior's time with the Clippers should be coming to an end. And I thank him so much for everything he's done. But the Clippers... Oh, by the way, Nico Batum, I give him a C-plus this season, honestly. If it's a Zubats, I didn't announce his grade on the last episode. I forgot that. I give him a B-plus. Um, just because he started the season so well. Um, and he had to carry so much weight for that portion before we got Plumley. As far as Marcus Morris, I'm giving him a D, honestly. It was it was a nightmare. It really was. And part of that's Ty Lue, but I just think, I don't know. Let me know if you think that's harsh in the comments. But coming up, Robert Covington, what we need at the power forward position, who would be great for it going forward. Going to be talking about that coming up. All right. Finally, the guy that everybody wanted to play and just didn't get the look all season, and that was Robert Covington. Now, there are a lot of theories as to why Robert Covington wasn't playing. Some people said that Ty Lue was saving him for the playoffs. Some people said that, you know, he said that there's just so many guys you can play. You know, it was the too much depth issue that he just didn't prioritize Robert Covington over Marcus Morris and Nico Batum. I said it's because Ty sees things from an offense-first lens. He wants guys that can kind of create their own shot and are better three-point shooters and floor spacers. Robert Covington, very solid three-point shooter, but often takes often takes some reckless ones. Really good help defender, though. Amazing hands, solid rebounder, good cutter. We just re-signed him for $11 million a year. He's also owed $11 million. He was... He was getting paid $12 million this year. If you round up next year, he's getting paid $12 million again, and then that's the last year of his contract. So if we don't want to use him and if Ty Lue's back, then we should absolutely trade him because, trust me, there are a lot of teams that would take Robert Covington. I can promise you that. These 3 and D guys with size, 7-foot wingspan, by all means, a lot of teams would take him. Now, the Clippers, you know, we wanted him to play so badly as fans with the way Marcus Morris was playing. And, you know, we had people with the free Roco jerseys and just that whole, we want Roco. You know, I remember that being chanted at some games, you know, not loud enough to come out on TV. But Robert Covington, and when he did play, he kind of validated why we wanted him to play. His defense was good. His, the amount of steals he would get. I would love to see what his steals per 36 were because, I mean, my God, he gets his hands on so much. And when he is playing frequently, his three ball seems to go. This season, he didn't shoot nearly as well from three as last season where he was, with the Clippers, he was shooting like 40 plus percent. Let me take a look. Let's see. Robert Covington played 23 games with the Clippers in 2022. He averaged 10 points a game and five rebounds. And he shot 45% from three. So if, if you actually go listen to what I said before the season, I said that wasn't going to last. He wasn't going to shoot 45% from three. This season, 
He played in 48 games. I forget the exact number, but it was 30-plus DNP coaches' decisions this season. I think 36, but I could be wrong on that. But that's a lot. He only played 48 games. Some of those were garbage time minutes, by the way. Just 16 minutes a game, 6 points, 3.5 boards. He shot 40% from 3, 44.5 from the field. So, again, 40% from 3, that's pretty damn good. It's just unfortunate he didn't get minutes. Now, another thing that's come out has been his ex-girlfriend or his ex-wife. I'm not sure if they're married or not. Coming out and accusing him of things. I also heard from someone that, yeah, there was something, you know, along the lines of like sexual harassment, sexual assault, something like that, or cheating, something big, major along those lines. And that basically he didn't treat a woman right, whatever you want to call it. And that's why they weren't playing him. Now, the question there is, If he was doing all that and we don't condone that and you're punishing him by not playing him, get him away from the organization. I mean, Rocco, in all my experience, has been a great guy. Every time he's so nice to fans. But, I mean, we don't know these guys behind the scenes. If he's really doing that, we don't condone that here. At least I don't. And I don't care how good he is at basketball, you know. And look, if you want to act like you're so people over players, I mean, come on here. If that's really what it is, then, then you should get rid of him. But if it were up to me, and let's just say that's not true and you know he's being painted out in a negative light and we're not commenting on that situation, I would absolutely love Robert Covington to get a chance. He didn't get one this season. So I want to see him play, play out the last year of his contract. So again, going to the trade thing, we want to get younger and more athletic at this position. We want to ideally get somebody better than these guys. Now, right now, we can only afford met, vet, vet, met minimum, vet minimum contracts at the moment. So we need to not opt into Eric Gordon's team option, in my opinion. Russell Westbrook, it really depends. If we don't opt into Eric Gordon's team option and then we trade, I think Marcus Morris or one of these contracts, Batum or Covington, then we can maybe get Westbrook back on the mid-level, but that doesn't really solve the power forward issue. And with this new CBA, we won't be able to get a big free agent like a Jeremy Grant unless major salaries are moved. So Jeremy Grant ideally is the guy that we want, or even maybe a John Collins, that would involve a trade which I feel like might be more likely at this point because free agency, Jeremy Grant's going to look for a decent amount of money. He just got paid a good deal, that Detroit deal, but he's going to get another, I think, $20 million for like at least three years. $20 million each year for like at least at least three years because um, he's basically in the prime now. So any team that gets him, it's going to be big. The Portland Trailblazers got, what, the fourth pick tonight or on, the, on Tuesday? So, I mean... Are they going to keep Jeremy Grant? I don't know. It really all depends on what they want to do with Dame. But with Shadon Sharp, you got the fourth pick, Anthony Simons. You could go a different direction and not even look to re-sign Jeremy Grant. But John Collins, I really think that he's kind of... I think he wants to develop more. Just the similar way that Aiton wants to develop more. I don't think John Collins thinks he's just a pick-and-pop big. I would love to try to you know work with a John Collins experiment. And with the way Paul George and Kawhi Leonard miss games, he would be able to actually, in my opinion... If we give Marcus Morris post-ups, we can get John Collins some post-ups, some catches in the mid-range area where he can turn and face, those kind of things. But I don't know. Right now, you got to really shed salary, and there's so much financial uh, loopholes. and I shouldn't say loopholes. Financial things you have to go through and hoops you have to jump through. I think that was what I was looking for, to, looking to say. But, yeah. So, overall, Robert Covington, he gets a non-applicable grade because he didn't play enough. So I don't know what to say there, but we absolutely need to get younger, more athletic at this position. Um, Obviously, guys like Jared Vanderbilt were coming up in the comments section by a lot of people this season. 
Jared Vanderbilt right now is struggling to see the floor because of his offense, but he is a good player. But anyway, that's it for me today, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Let me know what you thought of the episode. I can see that the views on YouTube are not as high lately as I'd expect the offseason. I may do a mailbag episode soon, so let me know what things you want me to answer. Let me know what questions you might have. I'm also going to try to, I know I've been saying this for a while and I've been really lazy about it, but try to get some more guests on. But yeah, forgive me, you know, still with five episodes a week and we're not playing games. It's, you know, I'm trying to think of as many topics as I can, but I'm almost done with these player grades. I hope you've enjoyed them. Let me know what you think. Let me know the grades that you think all these three players deserve and what you want to see with them going forward. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I'm still going live every single night talking about all the playoff games. And you got to subscribe to this channel, Locked On Clippers, and hit the notification bell. We're almost at 3,000 subscribers, moving up to the top 20 in subscribers for Locked On NBA teams. I think we're at 22nd right now, either 22nd or 23rd. Let's keep moving up, Clipper Nation. Best fans in the world. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.